Good morning, everyone. It is man coverage. It is February 13th, 2022. Super Bowl Sunday today. But we are talking college football as we always do. Mr. Bonneville, how you doing this morning, sir? And it better be a crime. How you doing? I like it. I'm doing just fabulous. I'm getting ready for a little uh, Super Bowl action. And uh, while we're here, we're going to go ahead and talk a little uh, college football like we always do. Uh, we got some good guests today. We got some Buckeye action as, you know, I lean a little bit towards the Buckeye left. There's no, no. doubt about that. <laughs> no, I did not see that one coming. I like no. my Buckeyes. I like my Buckeye players. I like the ex-Buckeyes. I like the soon-to-be Buckeyes. As long as you're Buckeye something, I like you. Uh, so we're going to have former quarterback Steve Belisarion. We are also going to have former Buckeye uh, tight end uh, Darnell Sanders, who played for the Cleveland Browns. He also played for the Super Bowl competing Cincinnati Bengals, uh, as well as the Falcons. Uh, the Lions, and a couple other teams. So we're going to talk to Darnell. He is the host of Life After Sports, which is a really sweet podcast. Um, they've had some great guests. We're going to talk to him about it. He, they had, uh, former, they've got former Buckeyes. They've got former NFL players um, talking about life after football. It's really, really good show. And I wanted to have him on to talk to him about a little football and talk to him about his show uh, to help get the word out because it's a great show. And uh, hopefully he can help us and we can help him and it'll be a win-win for everybody. Uh, but we have to start where we started last week. It's, it's, you know, seven days have come and gone, but nothing's changed down in Auburn, Alabama. It is still an S show. And um, I got to be honest, I think they made the worst decision possible. Um, you know, we all know what was going on down there. They, they lost the last five games in a row to end the season. Uh, they've lost 20 players. They've lost five coaches. And uh, now they've decided to retain Brian Harson, which I think was the worst move uh, they could have made. Uh, James, what in the hell is going on down there? What were your thoughts when they announced they were going to keep uh, the coach? See, you know what's funny is I look at this and the SEC is missing out on a golden opportunity. SEC Network is missing out on a golden opportunity because this would be one of the greatest dramas you'd ever find. I mean, this would be, I mean, I mean, especially during the offseason, you would have high ratings. Days of our Auburn. I mean, we should start off with the sound like like sand through an hourglass. These are the days of our Auburn. I mean, you can't pay for this kind of drama. I mean, radio host, newspaper guys, I mean, they got to love this stuff. And the best part about it is that through all this rigmarole, Brian Harson's coming back. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure Jesus Christ himself can save Auburn at this point. <laughs> I mean, I mean, could you imagine if Brian Harson comes back and goes 11 and one or 12 and 0 and wins the West and wins the SEC? There's going to be so many boosters in that university president that's going to have egg on their face. I mean, privately, I'm hoping they win because the drama next year is going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I do too. I, I hate Auburn, but I kind of want him to win just to prove everybody wrong. And I, I've I got to stop you because I have to ask you another question. Shoot. Okay. So 
you know, I, I think keeping him around is a bad idea. It's we talked about it last week. We're not going to get into oh, it too much. Yeah. But he's not a good fit there. It, it's not. Yeah. It didn't work out in in year one. It's not going to work in year two. But wh- what? Who does Kevin Steele have nude photos of? Because somebody wants him to be the head coach at Auburn so bad that they're willing to put you know destroy their own program just to potentially get him the job. Who, why do people down there, and I'm talking about their alumni, I'm talking about their boosters, the people that, you know, drop the money into the program, why do they love Kevin Steele so much? I really don't know, to tell you the truth. I mean, this guy has got a long history and pedigree, and I mean, heck, coaching right now is a young man's game. And, I mean, heck, you look back at his career, he has been a head, a coach at some power programs, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, Nebraska, the Panthers, and then was a head coach at Baylor, which did not go well. But, I mean, he's been a really good D.C. throughout his – I mean, heck, Alabama, LSU, Auburn. I mean, go down the list. But what in the world – Why? I mean, in this day and age, why would you want him in that position? I mean, I can understand that he understands the boosters and understands the culture. But, you know, quite frankly, you look at guys like um, – uh, what's his name? The guy that just got hired at Florida. Um, I can see his face and he's, his name is escaping me right now. Um, the old La- the Louisiana Lafayette coach. Um, oh, yes. Uh, you had to ask me. I know. I know. I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. And he, he turned down previous jobs at Tennessee, at Mississippi State. Uh, Billy Napier. Billy Napier. Billy Napier. And the one thing he wanted to make sure everybody was on the same page from boosters to administration, the football complex. If you don't have all those three in place, you got nothing because if it's like a stool. If you've only got one or two of the legs and the other one's sitting there laying around on the table somewhere, you're going to fall down. And I I, I don't know if Kevin Steele is going to have that. He may have one. He may have two. He ain't going to have three. I think you got to bring in somebody from the outside who knows the SEC and wants to develop culture and program at the same time. And that's going to be tough because Brian Harson, I questioned to begin with and look where we're at. Yeah. It's, it's not working out down there. And they were basically, in my opinion, meeting to try and figure out a way to get rid of him without having to pay him. And they're just, he didn't really do anything wrong to where they could fire him with cause. Oh, and completely. I think, and I, I mean, they, they created that one rule after that. the fact. I mean, I mean, an attorney is going to blow that up in a heartbeat. I mean, you know, it's funny you look back upon it. Gene Chizik, two years after winning a natty, gets fired, which, quite frankly, that should give you five years minimum, quite frankly, in all honesty. I mean, Grant, Cam Newton was a special player. But then Gus Malzahn takes him to a national championship and it felt like he was on the hot seat so much that I think he had to go and get sunburned because on his butt because he was just there the entire time. And the guy took him to another national championship. Yeah, they lost. But, I mean, at some point, you got to create some stability within the program. And Auburn has none of that. I mean, they just think that there's something more than they are. And they got to really believe in trying to get to that national championship once every 10 years if they can do it. And they can. Yeah, they can. It's if they leave the coach alone, I, I don't, they're kind of, you know, yeah. self-sabotaging themselves Correct. and I, I don't really get it. Now I, I will say this, 
all of there were several guys that were mentioned as potential replacements uh, for Brian Harson, and I got to be honest, I like all of them as fits in in Auburn better than him. Uh, you know, a couple of guys that were mentioned that I just want to talk about real quick. Uh, first one is Hugh Freeze out of Liberty. This is a guy we know, uh, coached at Ole Miss, uh, was killing it at Ole Miss. He was, people forget, he was a high school coach yeah. in Memphis and was coach of Michael Orr, uh, the blind side tackle, who, uh, you know, it went ended, up, uh, ended up going to the NFL and starring and, and you know, kind of springboarded his career there and then went to Ole Miss and, and was just doing everything right except for hiding the hookers. Well, because, you that know, damn you burner phone always gets in the way sometime or another. I mean, you know? You've got to you've got to have a separate account to pay for the hookers. You've got to have a throwaway phone if you're going to be, <laughs> you know, pay, paying for prostitutes with the university money. We know that, uh, you know, Hugh should have known that. I think he's learned that now. But I mean, heck, uh, does anybody not remember Mike freaking Price? Yeah, oh I mean, it is what, four weeks at Alabama? I that mean, was a disaster. I, I, it, it, <laughs> I'm telling you, SEC Network, you got a show on your hands. You could get incredible ratings in the offseason, and it'd be great. Yeah, no, there there would be great great ratings with this because this isn't going away. I mean, this no. is, in, in my opinion, only going to get worse because, yes. like I said, they were looking at they were there was a lot of talk that they there had been they'd been reaching out or had reached out to Hugh Freeze. Uh, obviously we already talked about Kevin Steele was still on the table because somebody there is in love, uh, with Kevin Steele for what reason, I don't know. Uh, and then also we talked about it last week, Jamie Chadwell, uh, was discussed as being a potential replacement candidate for Harson uh, from coastal Carolina. I like all three of the, those guys, honestly, as a fit at Auburn, uh, better than Harson. So uh, well, heck, I don't, I keep going back to Matt rule, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, what he did at Baylor was just short of amazing. And I, I, I think he'd be a perfect fit down in Auburn. And I think he he could wrangle the troops, you know, both inside the complex and also outside. He just got that personality. He just, you know, he can't buy. Yeah, no, he, he would be good. And I think he's going to get fired here at the end of this season from uh, from Carolina. But uh, he still right now is the coach of Carolina. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know how how long he will be there. But with all this going on, I'd like to real quick just discuss something that me and you have been throwing around uh, the last couple of weeks, and that's our way too early predictions uh, for the SEC. And let's talk about the West first, since we were talking about Auburn. Um, you know, does this change things at all? Does the instability at the Auburn program, you know, mess things up at the top? I don't think so. But I'm going to go through my list real quick. And then uh, we'll have you do your list. You got um, it. I've got number one, Bama. Um, you got to beat the best to be the best. I, I just, I'm, I'm leaving them up there until Nick Saban leaves. Uh, I think everybody else is too. So I'm going Bama. I'm going Old Miss. I'm going AM. I'm going Arkansas. I'm going LSU. I'm going Mississippi State. And then I'm going Auburn. So uh, yeah, it, it definitely is affecting things for me. I have some tweaks in there. You know, I obviously I agree with you 100 percent on Bama, especially with what they got coming back. I mean, they're still not deep at that receiving core, but I think it's going to be a little bit better than what they had this year. Uh, I mean, sure, they lose Williams. Sure, they lose Mechie. But I mean, the transfer from Georgia and they had that young talent there. I think there's going to be better depth there. 
Um, and that defense is going to be rock solid. I'm going A&M too. Um, I, I, I see something there. I, I want to see out of spring ball who's going to start a quarterback there. Um, I keep hearing Haynes King could be the guy. Um, and how Jimbo keeps that uh, locker room together is going to be an issue because when you brought Johnson in with his brother, I mean, you got to imagine that was being talked about. I'm going to go Ole Miss three. I think that Jackson dart move is just going to be really beneficial for Lane Kiffin and the popcorn will be popped and ready to go. Arkansas four, uh, five Mississippi state. I mean, Rogers coming back and then um, I'm going LSU six. Uh, I, I just don't know if they've got the depth this year. I, I mean, they've got a lot of work. They did a really good job in the transfer portal. And then, hate to say it, Auburn lasts, like you said. I mean, it, with what I see right now, I hope I'm wrong. but Because it would be awesome to see them contend. But, yeah, Auburn at the end. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be too much. I mean, when you know that um, you know somebody is trying to get rid of you before the season even starts – that's just not a good thing for your program. And that's not a good thing to try and help you win. So I I think Auburn's going to be in a little bit of trouble. And, and while we're here, we might as well do the East. Um, I'm going to run through my East picks as well. Um, I'm going to stay with Georgia. I know they've lost a lot of guys. Uh, They're only returning 10 starters, but let's be honest, they were loaded last year and it's not like they're, their young guys didn't touch the field. I mean, they, they had a slew of young guys out there. They've got a lot of uh, experience coming back. So I'm sticking with Auburn at number one. I'm actually going Kentucky at number two. I know they've been, you know, we keep thinking Kentucky's going to contend for the East. They'll win their first six or seven games and then they lose uh, every game after that. But I, I feel like they're getting close and um, they've got everybody coming back. We talked about it. Rodriguez is back. Uh, their quarterback is back. Uh, I feel like they've got, if they're ever going to be in contention, I think it's going to be this year. So I'm going Kentucky. I made some changes. I put Tennessee at three. Uh, I've got to see it to believe it, but I'm putting them at three. I'm going Florida four. I'm going South Carolina after that, then Missouri, and then, of course, Vandy. The only switch I'd make with you would be moving Tennessee to two and Kentucky to three. And quite frankly, it's a flip of the coin there. I just really liked what I saw out of Knoxville last year and how quickly they redeveloped considering all the change they had to deal with. I mean, they, that offense is going to be tough and Hendon hooker 31 touchdowns, three interceptions. You can't, I mean, that's great production. That's really great production. And I could see some really good benefit from Hypel moving into the future. No, it is. And him coming back, I think, was key to them. Yeah, I got to be honest. I didn't love uh, I didn't love their their recruiting class. I mean, I I know they were a top 20 class, but to make the next move and to to go on up and, and take over, you know, for Georgia or compete with Georgia, I feel like they needed to, you know, take that next step and get an impact player, get a five-star, get yeah. a high four-star. And that guy's not on this – he's not on this list. So, I don't know. We'll see. But that's our way too early predictions. I know it's too early, but we're talking about them anyway with the saga going on at Auburn. And so I figured we'd, we'd go ahead and throw it out there. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on. We're going to continue with our uh, recruiting talk a little bit and also move to a subject I like a lot more, which is Buckeyes. And uh, as far as Buckeyes go, Mr. Buckeye, Steve Belisari is now with us. How are you doing today, Steve? Good, man. How about you? 
I'm doing well. Are you getting ready for a little uh, Super Bowl Sunday here? Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm excited to uh, see how it plays out, man. These playoffs have been outstanding. Uh, oh, they, yeah. <laughs> I got to be honest, that uh, that conference championship round uh, were some of the best NFL games I've seen, you know, potentially ever. And uh, as soon as Tom Brady lost, I was all for it. All, all, that's all I really care about was uh, Tom Brady not winning. So once he lost, I was all about it. And uh, I, I couldn't have been happier with the with the outcome. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm kind of cheering for uh, Joe Burrow today. Uh, he is a former Buckeye of sorts, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of Buckeyes on that team. I mean, you talk about Joe Burrow, but uh, man, there's six or seven Buckeyes on that roster, uh, and a lot of them who you know really help out and and contend a lot. Uh, on that team and provide a lot of punch. But, you know, we talk about the Buckeyes, their recruiting obviously has still been killing it. Uh, that's why they have so many of these guys that are going to the NFL and playing in the in the big game. And and we were, we've were we been talking about recruiting throughout the last couple of weeks since the season ended. And, you know, Steve, tell us a little bit about us. Take us back to when you were looking at schools. Obviously, you know, you were from Florida. How did you end up choosing the Buckeyes and what what made you want to go uh, up to Columbus? See, I had a pretty unique situation, right? Having an older brother who got recruited, you know, right th- right around that time when I was 12, 13, and all these coaches coming to visit my brother were like, hey, we're going to come back, you know, see if you're any good. Um, so it gave me a little motivation, right, throughout uh, just trying to keep up and compete with my brother. But, you know, recruiting was different, um, you know, we went to camps. We went to all these different camps. My dad would load us up in 15 passenger vans from players from our team. We'd drive to Ohio. We'd camp at Ohio State, West Virginia, Florida State, Miami. I mean, we went around everywhere. And that's how we kind of got our name out there. Um, so you got to compete on those levels. And then for me, like I said, having an older brother, I got a ton of looks just because of that. And then playing in South Florida didn't hurt. Um, but my dad played for Woody Hayes back in 58 and 59 as a walk-on, you know, my brother went there, so I didn't want to go to Ohio State, right? I wanted to go do my own thing, uh, kind of chart my own course, and then um, I thought I was going to go to Notre Dame. I met Bob Davies, um, and I I didn't want to go to Notre Dame, right? Uh, (laughs) You know, that recruiting path wasn't the right fit for me, and as an 18-year-old, I just decided to go another way, so it really came down to Florida State and Ohio State. Um, and then where I had a chance to play, right? And I had a chance to start for three years at Ohio State, and kind of the rest is history. Was there a lot of, uh, by the way, uh, I'm Bonneville, James Bonneville, thanks for being on the show. Being a Florida guy, was there a lot of pressure on you to go to Florida State or look at a Florida school? Um, just because I know Florida is so different because there's so many transplants there and all, but it, it, was there that pressure of going to a Florida school since you were from there? I mean, yes and no, but like I said, my circle of friends and guys I played with, right, we got so much exposure going to all these different camps because of my dad and our coaches, right? We, we, we figured that out, right? And I had two buddies that played football at West Virginia. So I got exposed to a lot of different levels of football across the country. So it wasn't that hard. The harder part was Mark Rick, who was the quarterback coach at the time. Yeah. High school football with my oldest brother, his dad and my dad coached girls softball. I mean, it was really a close tie to being close to home, being in Florida. But if you broke it down, I had family in Ohio, family in Florida. Uh, both were state schools. Both were in the top 25. Both were putting people in the NFL. Both were having a shot at the national title. So it really came down to where could I play the most. Who's your recruiting coach? 
Um, geez, why can't I think of Bill Conley? Okay. Now, yeah. when you were recruited, did they, I mean, because I know you played some DB your freshman year. Did mm -hmm. they come in and say, we want you to be a quarterback? Or was it kind of, how, how was that process as a whole? Yeah, I, I mean, everywhere kind of recruited me as an athlete. A couple of schools said, hey, you could play either one, right? And I think that's where, if you go back to, I was recruited as a quarterback, right? I mean, I made it to the Florida-Georgia game as a safety. Uh, ended up beating out Brad Banks, you know, to start in that. He had some injuries, and it worked out that I started in that game. Um, as a quarterback, right? So it's just kind of progression to do that. And the schools that I were looking at were looking at me at a quarterback first and then, you know, safety second. Um, but that's where I was trying to feel out where was I going to get a legitimate shot to compete for quarterback and then or just play, right? Um, that's where I felt Notre Dame. I wasn't getting that that shot, right? I felt like they were telling me what I wanted to hear and I was going to go play safety for them. Yeah. Um, I just wanted the chance to compete to see if I could make it. And it, and it worked out. But if you think about it, my freshman year at Ohio State, David Moore, Gary Berry, a couple of injuries, and they were like, hey, will you play safety? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And that's how I ended up doing all the special teams and playing safety my freshman year. And then, you know, had the chance to try to start for three years after that. Yeah. Nice. Well, hey, as long as you get on the field, right, uh, that's what it's all about. And, you know, we, we were talking, too, about how things have shifted so much uh, now with the early signing period and with the, you know, recruiting starting uh, so early. I mean, it, it, I feel like, and this is, this is just my opinion, but I feel like some guys are getting missed because, you know, if you haven't gotten offers now by your junior year, a lot of times, you know, you, you fall by the wayside because they're, the recruiting has been pushed up. Everyone wants to get the guys so quick and get them uh, signed early. And I feel like that's, not good in some cases for some of these guys that develop uh, a little bit later. What what are your thoughts on the new you know early recruiting period and and how how early they start going after some of these guys? Well, I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous for one because you can't predict you know a 15, 16 year old how they're going to be as an 18 to 21 year old, right? I mean, yeah. that's a big difference, and um, everyone develops differently and comes into their own. I mean, I, I got a couple great examples: Drew Carter, who played receiver for us didn't play football until his senior year, right? He was wow. in all-state basketball, ran track. So he had scholarship offers in football, track, and basketball. Wow. But he only played his senior year. In today's recruiting, he might not get a look, right? Because there's not the hype. He doesn't have a Twitter page and all this other stuff that goes with it. Um, and I have another example. My brother, Greg, his nephew, um, through marriage, who lives out in Oregon, right? Player of the year, no scholarship offers, quarterback. Six wow. four, four point student, good kid, not a single offer. Now he's walking on to Idaho and they got a steal of a player. It's yeah. just that he developed late and no one really had those early offers in. But I can promise you, watch his career. He's going to go out and do extremely well. But it's just a function of today's, you know, he didn't have the coaches putting stuff out on social media and, and driving that. So that's where he'll end up. But you're going to see more and more of that of these players that become these big stars because you can't find them all. Well, looking back at your game, I mean, everything was pro style under center during that time period. Do you think like looking at your style of your game at that time period, because you really did both running and throwing that mm -hmm. you'd have thrive more in the RPO sets that you see today? Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it was it's built for a guy like me, right? Being able to get on the move, throw on the run. Um, I was probably more accurate on the run, right? And that's what yeah. you are set up for that. Um but, I mean, there's a lot of guys. I mean, imagine when Michael Vick in this offense. Exactly. Right? And he was able to excel 
just because he was that good and did well in the NFL and changed the game. But I mean, there's a ton of guys that would have benefited from how the game is played today, right? Quarterbacks are more protected. They're allowed to get away with a little bit more. The offenses are set up for him. So, and then you got a guy like Joe Burrow, so you'll see today. I mean, just watch how he plays. And he's been able to master and mix both of those, right? Yeah. He's, he's just impressive all around. So, Is there a certain coach out there today that kind of intrigues you with that RPO set that you thought your game would have really, like, meshed with a lot? I mean, at, at this point, it's almost too hard to, to watch anymore, right? And keep up. I mean, every coach has adopted it. I mean, yeah. I what Ohio State is doing. Right? I mean, yeah. they've just done an unbelievable job with it. But think about Kip Kelly, when he really started this style out at Oregon, it yeah. was really a run first, right? Everyone talks yeah. about the spread, but they were a power running football team. They just spread people out and got their athletes in space. Right? Yeah. And then adapted and evolved. So there's a lot of different coaches and schemes out there. But, I mean, I can't think of – I look at Ohio State and their offense and how it's set up today. I would be very happy playing with that group. <laughs> yeah. No, we t- – hey, and I always think about uh, – shit, now I can't remember the na- what they called themselves. Oh, the uh, New Hampshire Mafia. I mean, yeah. what the hell was going on up there? Chip Kelly, Dan Mullen, and Ryan Day all on the same staff. Right. Uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, that <laughs> is a heck of a group of coaches – uh, stuck up there in the uh, in the Hampshire. I, I think Steve probably could have could have handled playing for them uh, and, and done okay. But you know, we we were talking about the quarterbacks now, and I wanted to get your opinion. Have you? We 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 just can't figure out what the hell happened because you know the the quarterbacks are developing more, uh, you know, quicker, developing better. We think every year because you know they're going to these seven on sevens, they're going to these camps, they're they're throwing more, they're playing earlier. Uh, but there's no quarterbacks in this draft. Well, I'm trying to, <laughs> you got quarterback whistle. You got quarterback consultants out there, like Steve Clarkston. I mean, yeah, so, and all these all these uh, quarterback guys that they go to in the off season. But yet, this group of quarterbacks, I think, is the worst group I've seen that I can remember. And I, I just want to get your opinion. You you watch a lot of college football. You you know a lot about college football. You played the position. Do any of these guys intrigue you? And do you think any of them uh, could potentially, you know, be good in the NFL down the road? Yeah, I think they all have a shot. I mean, when you look at this class, right, the first thing that pops out, you don't have that one superstar that's, in my opinion, going to go fit into a team and impact, right, and just do it right away. And where what I mean by that is a lot of teams, when they draft a quarterback, they're hoping he plugs in and he raises the play of everybody. Joey Burrow did that, plain and simple, right? He's, he's a generational quarterback. He's different. This draft, you're going to have teams looking at their strengths and weaknesses and where these players fit in. Yeah. Right. And, and I'll use the Rams, for example. What what were the Rams missing? They, they were missing a quarterback that was going to throw it down the field and take chances. Yeah. Not that Stafford's this gunslinger that takes tons of bad chances, but he's not afraid to push the ball down the field and make, make his players go make plays. You're going to see teams draft quarterbacks this year based off of what pieces they have and who they can learn from. Right. So it's going to be a play for three to four years down the road more than anything else. I mean, but you have a lot of good talent. And when I think of, you know, Pickens is a really big talent, right? Everyone's talking about him. I think the guy from Liberty did a good job in the, the senior bowl this past week, right? And stepped up. And he's got a lot to, I think, we're all talent that you can play with, right? So who can he go learn from? But I'm a big fan of Ritter. And I just look at his career. He's a winner. And yeah. I don't know how you quantify it. I don't know what you want to say, but. Think about it. That kid won a lot of football games. You want a guy like that in your locker room. So 
I do think there's a lot of potential with this group. It just depends on where they land. I mean, and that's the beautiful part about the NFL. Think about guys that were these top players that go in and they don't have the pieces and puzzles around you. It's hard to do it by yourself in the NFL. So where some of these guys end up will be pretty telling. Well, I, it kind of gets me to a point of somebody you got to know during your professional career is a guy like Mike Martz mm-hmm. and de- really developing that. Can, can you talk a little bit about how Mike Martz really helped your quarterback room while you were there? So I didn't get to spend too much time in that room just because they had me playing safety. But yeah. I just going against those guys every day, um, you know, you had Kurt Warner and just what he brought to it, right? I think that's what made that room special in combination with Coach Marks. Coach Marks is an offensive genius, right? I mean, what he was able to do in the pieces and puzzles during that time was outstanding. Kurt Warner made it better because of his experience, right? He went through it. I mean, his road was unbelievable. So for him to get there, he made sure that whatever they were doing, he took it to that next level. So, um, but Marks is a genius, right? And he put players in position to do really well. It's funny, before they cut me, uh, they asked me to move the fullback. Yeah. And I was wow. like, oh, I don't know about that. March was like, hey, we'll find a way to get you the ball. And I kind of laughed. I was like, Tory Holt, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Steve Belcher. I'm like, I don't know if they're going to give me the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so I said no, and then they cut me. But uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty good uh, group of guys. And uh, I don't know how many footballs there'd be to, to go around, considering most of those guys are now in the Hall of Fame. But uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not too much. I think, I think you probably had a better shot at safety. But it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I, Desmond Ritter, you know, I do like him. I think he's, he's a good football player. He, he certainly elevated the program at Cincinnati. And I think that's the one thing he's got going for him is that, you know, he he made that program better and he took that program to a level it hasn't been at. And I think that, that NFL teams will take notice of that. But I go back to what you said, and it, it's something that I've harped on a lot. It's it's where you go, is my opinion. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I go back. I went to football camp with Tim Couch and Tim Couch was the best quarterback I ever saw play in high school. And he was by far the best player at Bowden Academy where I went to football camp with him. And then he went to the Browns and, you know, the rest is history. But I, I keep thinking, I mean, this guy made Kentucky good uh, when Kentucky was not good at football. So I just feel like if he went to a good team where they actually had a line and he didn't get broken, he may have had a chance. Tell me, uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that the fit and where somebody goes, you know, m- means as much as anything like I do? Yeah, without a doubt, right? There's that chemistry piece of football. Um, and that's where I think, you know, you think about Ritter, he has that command. So he'll walk into a room and mess with that team and it'll go well, but it's a big puzzle piece, right? When you look at protection and just how it all plays out, that's what I think has been the most impressive with Joe Burrow. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he, but he's changed the game, right? And he's put those guys in a position to win his, his will to do it is unreal. And there's not a lot of guys like that, right? I mean, Trevor Lawrence struggled this year yeah. and had some really bright spots, but you've got to have help, right? And the way defenses are set up in the NFL, that's where, you know, being a mobile quarterback in college, you can get away with it because there isn't a five-star guard guy at every position, right? And yeah. I mean, look at the Super Bowl game going on tonight. The defensive line for the Rams, they, they all are faster than just about every quarterback in the NFL or college coming out, right? Those guys can move. So where you end up and how they can protect you in the scheme that they play is going to be bigger than anything. 
what advice would you give right now to a you know incoming you know a high school student that's going to go to college or even a coach of i mean because you know with age comes wisdom and you've played the game at you know all levels what what advice would you give just from what you went through yeah fail fast right i mean get over it you're gonna make mistakes you can't play perfect games um and then i think the more you can learn to position yourself to win right I thought I prepared really well in college, right? I learned a lot from my coaches and my brother played. So I knew I had to watch film and prepare, but I look at the guys that had careers that were longer, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, you name it. They prepared better, right? They just did. There's a reason why those guys are around. And that level is what is allowing people to just fail fast and just don't think, right? Make plays. And the amount of practice and preparation that goes into it, if you think you're working hard, (laughs) work harder. Right. That would be my advice to everyone. Like, just keep, you've got to work harder. Don't think you've made it. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Steve, we can't thank you enough for coming on today. We'll let you go uh, get ready for the Super Bowl. And uh, hopefully the Bengals will uh, be able to pull it out. And we'll get to see Joe Burrow uh, win the big one in year two. Yeah, I'm a little torn, right? I'm a Ram alumni. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh, hey, you you, you win either way. way. Yeah, right. I win either way. So. So if you had to put money on the game today, who would you pick? Who's your pick for today? So my head says the Rams. My heart says, you know, the Bengals. I I don't want to bet against Joe Burrow. Look, I mean, he stared down the barrel of how many losses at the end of this playoff run and just overcame it every single time. Well, at Tennessee game, I mean, he was a punching bag and the guy was like Rocky Balboa. He just kept getting up. And didn't hear the bell ring. I mean, it was just it, it no, was. I've got to. I've got to ask Steve this. Steve, were you ever sacked nine times and won? No. Okay. I've no. asked everybody that. I heard no. them asking everybody that on NFL Radio. I have not heard anyone say yes. I, I think he's got to be the only guy in the history of the NFL that was in a playoff game, got sacked nine times, and won it. Think about it. Three to four sacks is like a turnover. Yeah. Right? They're that big. They essentially turned the ball over four times by just sacks. It's wild. And they kept – I mean, and he came back and won. Yeah. I, I'm shocked he just wasn't gun-shy in the fourth quarter because, no. I mean, you you got to imagine that's going to sit in the back of your head that you're going to get hit again and again and again. Wow. But that's the type of kid he is. Yeah. He's never been phased by any of that ever. Go watch yeah. his whole career from, from high school to now. He's been that way from day one. Yeah. And, and, that's, and Scott that's Frost didn't want him. That, yeah. Remember, Scott Frost did not want him at Nebraska. Yeah, yeah that, that's why he's 25 years old, and his high school's uh, field is named after him. So it's <laughs> yeah. uh, a that's a pretty good sign. But uh, anyway, enjoy the game, Steve, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again real soon. Okay, we love it when you come on and talk to us. You got it, man. Tell Darnell I said hello. I haven't talked to him in a while, so I will do it, man. We'll Will tell do. him he said what's up, and uh, hopefully he'll bring us something today as well. You got it, man. Have a good one, guys. All right, buddy. Thank you. See you, Steve. All right. That was Steve Belisari, one of our friends of the program. We have Steve on all the time. He's a great guy. He was a tremendous football player and uh, I think really, um, you know, sees the game from from a bunch of different angles. Considering oh. He's a guy that played quarterback. He played uh, defensive back. Uh, he's seen the game from both sides of the ball. And I think it's great uh, to hear, uh, you know, all the things he knows about the game concerning his dad was a coach. His brother played big time football and uh, you know, he played big time football at, at a bunch of different uh, positions. Well, I mean, not only that him talking about failure is growth. I mean, 
you know, everybody gets so worked up about the great play, but, you know, look at how much he learned in the process to get to that spot. I mean, it's something a lot of incoming college players and, you know, coaches need to learn from. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And, uh, you know, I like his take, you know, we've been critical of, uh, of Ritter on this show, the quarterback from Cincinnati. And, um, you know, I, I just at times I look at him and I look at his, you know, mechanics and I look at what he's put on tape and I'm just like, ah, I just don't know if that'll translate. But like Steve said, if he gets on the right team, if he gets in the right culture, if he has the right fit, if the offense is is geared towards what he does well. I mean, I think back about the Bears this year. I mean, we got to see how good Justin Fields was because A, I mean, that team was in shambles. We knew that their coach was on the hot seat before the season even started in Matt Nagy. But then he puts, um, you know, Justin Fields out there and doesn't even adjust the offense to his strengths. I mean, anybody that wasn't as good as Justin Fields, their career could have been over right there. Hell, he was sacked nine times against the Browns in his yeah. in his uh, opening game. So I do feel like the fit and the coach, uh, that, that means a lot uh, to what – you know, what you will be facing in the NFL. So I think Ritter's got a chance if he gets on the right team. All these guys have the potential of of getting on a team and, and succeeding because they're not going to be drafted number one. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what we haven't really talked about is, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau's probably going number one or maybe Hutchinson or maybe one of those offensive linemen. But neither one of these quarterbacks is going number one and going to the worst team. So I think that's something that might benefit these guys uh, and Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, um, any of these guys, Malik Willis, any of these quarterbacks is they're probably going to be drafted a little bit later and might go to a team that's a little bit better and more successful. Well, it, it, you know, Steve brought up something very critical that NFL teams look at metrics and try to quantify that. But there's one thing you just can't quantify is the size of a guy's heart and his ability to know how to win. You just can't quantify. The only way you can see that is in interviews. And there's no doubt about it. Ritter's got that. Ritter understands that ability to know how to win, like a Dak Prescott, you know, Mm -hmm. the same kind of philosophy. I mean, you look back at uh, Bill Parcells had a formula of quarterbacks he went after where they had to start three years in college and they had to have a certain winning percentage. And quite frankly, Desmond Ritter fits that category completely. And if Bill Parcells was still doing that, I mean, I could guarantee you he'd be looking at a guy like Desmond Ritter to be on his roster right now. Yeah, I, I, that's true. And and this is why last year when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafted Kyle Trask, I thought that was probably the best uh, place for him to go because, hell, he got to learn under you know Tom Brady, who, like him or not, has had a lot of success in this league. And if ever you're going to pick up something from somebody – sitting behind Tom Brady for, for a year or two had to have helped Kyle Trask, right? Well, I mean, heck, any quarterback that's been in the league that long. I mean, there's a reason why they've had the longevity that they've had in the league. And, you know, those young quarterbacks, you know, if you think you know it all, you don't know anything. you got to really latch onto those guys that have been there a while, that know what they have to do before games to prep for games. Not only in the offseason, too, as well, where, you know, they're, it's a – 24 7 365 job yeah oh there's there's no doubt about that and um you know we'll see what happens with these guys i i i like i mentioned i i'm not in love with any of them 
if I had to pick one that I really liked over the rest of the group, I've got to be honest, I like Matt Corral. I know that he is not the biggest guy. He's not going to measure out, you know, the best. He might not have uh, the greatest tape as far as transferring to the NFL game, but this guy is a winner also. I mean, Old Miss. Oh, yeah. I mean, they did not really uh, take apart the SEC before Corral got there and took over. And I just go back to that Tennessee game last year. That was a hard-fought game that could have gone either way. And the reason, in my opinion, that Old Miss won it, A, the refs helped a little bit, and B, Corral was not going to go home a loser in that game. He ran yeah. the ball 40 times. And let's be honest, this guy's not a running quarterback, but he did whatever it took to win, and I that showed me something with that kid. You know, a guy that keeps – I know we've been hard on him in the past is Malik Willis. I yeah. think this kid has probably the highest ceiling, but yet the lowest floor. I, I think he – I mean, he's got all the skills. The problem is the offense that he ran was all one-set reads. And if he gets to a situation where he gets with a good offensive coordinator and a good quarterbacks coach, I, I could see some really development from him where he could be a, a solid starter by year two and maybe even by year one, depending on how much of a sponge and he can take in that stuff. But the talent's unmistakable. I mean, you, you, you can't deny it there. It's just he's got a lot to learn for that NFL game because it's a completely different game right now. Yeah, and there's no doubt. I mean, this is a kid who, you know, just didn't pop up. He he went originally to Auburn and was scheduled to to play at Auburn. And then for whatever reason, uh, you know, couldn't get on the field. He transferred to Liberty. And honestly, that was the best decision he could have made. Yeah. Because he got to work under Hugh Freeze. He got to learn uh, the, the offense that Hugh Freeze runs, which just, in my opinion, fit him perfectly. And, right. uh, and then he made a good decision on going to the Senior Bowl. I mean, he got to go – a showcases talents against the best of the best in college football and B he got to go and be right in front of a lot of these coaching staffs that'll be in charge of making decisions uh, come draft day. I couldn't agree with you more. It kind of revolves around something we heard last week from Curtis Grant, where don't look at, go to the school that's got the biggest name, go to the school that fits you best. And I think he nailed that going to co going to Hugh freeze. I mean, let's be honest. Liberty was still trying to get into Division One as an FBS school, and that's not always the easiest thing. And look at what he's done from a culture standpoint by going there, not only developing his game personally for the next level, but really springboarding that program to being a much, I mean, a bowl team on a consistent yeah. basis. So, yeah, no, I think he made the right decision there. And, um, you know, since I'm a Buckeye and I, I make it well known that I love the Buckeyes, we're going to have another former Buckeye on the show, and we're going to bring him up right now. We got Darnell Sanders uh, about to join us. Uh, as I mentioned pre uh, er earlier, Darnell's got a new show out that's called Life After Sports, and uh, he's gotten some great guests. I mentioned uh, Tim Couch, who, um, you know, played uh, for Kentucky and then played for the Cleveland Browns and was the number one pick in the overall in the draft. He was on uh, the show with Darnell and, you know, that's just one of the examples of the great guests they've had. They also had Josh Booty uh, on the show, the guy that played quarterback at LSU and USC. Um, also had LaCharles Bentley, a great uh, center for the Buckeyes and played for the New Orleans Saints in the Super Bowl. Um, he just dropped out on me. That's why I'm going on and on. Uh, well, Jonathan the, Wells, too, the one about him. That, that, that was a really good episode I listened to last night. I mean yeah. – 
I, it, it's a great show, honestly. It dealt, I mean, everybody looks at what happens at that three hours on the field, and people forget there's a lot of time that happens not only between those games, but after their career ends in that next step. Yeah, these guys are are human beings, and I think exactly. that's what uh, you know the show that the Darnell uh, puts on really really reveals. And it's something that we've talked about on this show. I mean, we just talked to Steve Belisari, uh, who was such a great athlete that he, you know, came to Ohio State as a, a safety or defensive back. He ended up starting at, at quarterback for two or three years and then played in the NFL, um, you know, until he got hurt. And then that that pretty much ended his career. Same thing with our guest from last week, uh, Curtis Grant. Uh, he was a tremendous linebacker, captain of the Ohio State uh, Buckeyes in the national championship and uh, tore his knee up. So, you know, these guys are human beings, and it's cool to, to hear about that. I'm going to pop Darnell on now because he just came back up on the screen. There he is. Hey, Darnell, how's it going today, buddy? What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Hey, we're doing Great. real good. We just talked to uh, an old teammate of yours, uh, oh, Steve Bell. Sorry, he wanted us to uh, say hi to you and, and see how you were doing, man. That's my quarterback, baby. That's my quarterback. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. I, I love Steve. I do too, man. He's a he's a great guy, and we love bringing him on our show. Uh, he he's got a nice perspective considering he played offense and defense. Yeah, uh, he's got a good perspective on it. But we were just talking about the uh, the show, uh, the Life After Sports podcast that you guys are doing. Uh, me and James both watched a couple episodes and and really like uh, what you guys are are up to. Tell us a little bit about how you got started doing it, and uh, you know what uh, what you got want us our listeners to know about the show. Well, thanks, Nate, man. I appreciate it. Um, give me the little um, plug. Let me plug the show a little bit. Um, yeah. It's just a show, man. I went back and contacted a lot of um, my friends that I played with in the past. I was looking for something to get me back into um, loving football. Uh, for a while after I got um, – after I've been cut a couple times in the NFL, I was a little salty. So, um, But I, I love the game, but it was just naturally I was just a little bit salty and – um, at everything, at the, at the sport and everything. And I, I wanted to get my love back into it. So I decided to do a show where I could rekindle that fire and it gets me back into it and makes me watch it and, and talk to my buddies and things like that again, which is awesome. Well, it, it, I mean, it's, the one thing I always I really appreciate about your show is the normal humdrum fan looks at it from the three hours that are on the field. And they don't understand what an athlete goes through, not only in that week preparation to that three hours, but the time afterwards and how the normal athlete goes through the same things that the fan goes through. And what, what would be some of the best stories that you've heard either on your show or just heck in the locker room where you guys are just hanging out as friends that just kind of moved you in that way? You know, that's the best part of sports is, you know, we all love the sports, like the sport. We love it. Like, I mean, it's, it's everything to somebody like me. It's all I did for my whole life. But um, the locker room is like, what you miss when it's over with. You miss being yeah. with the guys and everything. You miss the stories. Um, you miss the little fights, the, just everything. Just, because they're your <laughs> brothers in there, right? Yeah. I got a good story. When I played for the Cleveland Browns, um, they do the rookie hazing type thing. And Tim Couch, when I went in the bathroom, they threw ice cold water all over me and they got all over the tissue and everything. <laughs> and you don't know who did it until you see them get the next rookie and things like that. So you miss those type of things. You miss hanging out with the guys, going out after golf and after having a drink after the practice or games and things like that. 
That's awesome. I, I we were just talking about Tim Couch actually I, when we were talking to Steve because we were talking about how you know for for quarterbacks and for all players really to have success in the NFL, it's all about fit. And um, you know, I I went to football camp at Bowden Academy uh, down at uh, with Florida State uh, with Bobby Bowden and Terry Bowden and all the Bowden brothers. And Tim Couch was the quarterback for my group. And I got to be honest, man, my hands hurt. Uh, after catching balls from this guy all day. I watched him play when he was in high school because I lived here in Knoxville and he was from Kentucky. Man, he was the best quarterback I ever saw. And, um, you know, the, the Browns were a, uh, you know, starting over after their, their, their team moved to Baltimore and um, they were an expansion team and, and his career kind of got thrown off by that. And I just want you to talk to me a little bit about, you know, playing for the Browns and, and what was going on uh, back when they, they drafted you and, uh, you know, when Tim was playing there as well. Oh, man, great question, Nate. Yeah, I, I grew up in Cleveland, so it was like a, it's like a dream fantasy for me to get drafted to that team. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in the fourth round. They drafted me in the fourth round. Um, uh, Tim Couch was my quarterback along with um, – um, what's his name? Um, uh, Kelly Holcomb. Holcomb, yeah. But, yeah, um, but Tim Couch was my quarterback – he had a lot of weight on his shoulders. I actually interviewed him. I haven't put it up yet, but we just uh, got done doing an interview with him. And he just had a lot of pressure on his shoulders. As soon as he got here, he came to an ex- expansion team. And we talked about how being the best quarterback in college sometimes is the worst thing you can do because you end up going to the worst team or an expansion team in the yeah. NFL. So yeah. sometimes it's better to be like the – maybe the third or fourth on the radar because you end up with a better team that have to deal with some of the things that like we didn't protect him when he was in Cleveland, he got destroyed. So yeah. over time injuries warned him because those hits by taking them over and over and over. Uh, he was one of the best quarterbacks that I've seen from like a quarterback aspect. Like I played with him. I also played with Michael Vick. Michael Vick was like the best athlete that I've ever played with, but Tim mm-hmm. couch threw a nice, easy ball. I mean, he just, he was a, he was a great quarterback. He just, you know, if maybe if he would have been the third or fourth quarterback taken and not the first pick overall, well, he might have a whole completely different story, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, what about your, like, recruitment from high school? I mean, as an Ohio guy from Warrensville Heights, I mean, did you have a lot of pressure for you to go to Ohio State right away? Or, I mean, what was your mindset going into that whole process? Yeah, that's a, uh, I was – you know, I didn't even realize. I didn't know if um, if football was my sport. I was drafted out of, in high school for baseball. I got drafted to the oh, Cleveland wow. Indians, so baseball was my sport. But over time, I was getting so many scholarships and football to some really awesome team. Basically, every team in the country. And um, when I finally got the offer to Ohio State, it was kind of like my father's like, "Listen, take the go to Ohio State. You're close to the family. Um, the baseball." You might be stuck in the minor leagues for your whole life, and the money that they offer was pretty trash. So I was, um, so just coming, man. I, I don't know if I had too much. I didn't recognize the pressure at the time. So I was coming. I played quarterback and safety in high school. So when they picked me up, they told me I was going to play tight end. So it was a little bit weird going in, hitting pads right away. And my first hitting drill, they put me against Andy Katzemeyer. Oh, I was going to ask about this. Yes. So yes, I'm going from quarterback to going against Andy Katzemeyer. The very first day that we put pads on, Sanders get in there, and they had like a what's called like a bull in the ring type of thing. So yeah. we it was Andy standing up here and me standing up here, and, and it's a board in between our legs, and we 
run and we smack dead into each other. Where Andy, I played quarterback. See, I didn't know how to hit nobody. I was trying not to get hit. So when he hit me, he started driving me back. And I mean, needless to say, that was that wasn't a good first day of hitting for me. <laughs> My uniform was very dirty after that day. A buddy of mine from college uh, played against. Uh, we, I went to Minnesota. And okay. he was talking about the time that he uh, was playing fullback at the time and had to take on cats and more. And he's like, it was rough for him. He outright told <sighs> me that. And he's like, later that night, he had to go into the dentist and they had to do a root canal because of all the freaking trauma that happened during that game because of cats more. He's like, it was like hitting a brick wall. He was like, the guy was just so freaking massive and so good. Yeah, he was a brick wall. I mean, he didn't move. I mean, I, he had kind. I mean, he was fast, and I mean, he he was a smart player. Um, people don't give him that much credit about that, but he was a, a oh, yeah. he was a super duper smart guy. I got a great memory, and um, he hit he hit you. He hit you pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And now, Darnell, when you got uh, recruited to Ohio State, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact year. Were you recruited by uh, Coach Cooper, or did Coach Tressel come and get you? Coach Cooper was my coach. Um, coach Jacobs, uh, rest in peace to him. But he was yeah. he was the person actually recruiting me at the time. But I was part of the um, Cooper Cooper gang. Nice, nice. I, I I still think to this day, you know, some people don't remember John Cooper was one of the greatest recruiters of all time. I yes. mean, think of some of those guys he brought in. You know, we talk about Katzmore. Um, you know, we talk about uh, Orlando Pace. We talk about. Eddie George. Um, the, Eddie George, we talk about Darnell, we talk about some of the greatest Buckeyes of all time. Well, John Cooper was responsible uh, for bringing those those guys in. And just talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, those recruiting classes that he brought in at Ohio State and some of the talent that you guys had on those teams. Yeah, it was unbelievable. When I first came down here, when I first came down to Ohio State, I was um, when I first came down, I saw Michael Wiley and I'm saw this guy get the ball and he was the shiftiest, fastest dude. And then you see David Boston, that receiver. I mean, he's like 230 and got like 3% body fat. And then you yeah. got Eddie George that's getting dragged off the field from just conditioning stuff. So it's like, man, you it's the best of the best there. You got Mike Rabel spitting out chew and and, <laughs> and, and running gashes coming in first every time. It's just so you just see some some freaks that 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 they recruit and um, they always do a good job. We got pretty good football around here in Ohio and, um, and they, they get it all. And that's why they good every year. It's just because they have such a, they, they do such a good job recruiting. Now you got drafted by the Indians. Yes. The Browns with the Cavaliers didn't what have a spot for you too, as well. I mean, it seemed like there was some karma going into that, that you were going to end up in Cleveland at one point. I mean, it I seems like, yeah, Go I tell ahead. everybody I was meant to. I'm, I'm born in Cleveland. I was from I'm from Cleveland, so it's like, man, I was just meant to be here. So I was just like, I mean, I got drafted in high school to the Cleveland Indians, and then I got drafted to the Cleveland Browns, and the Cleveland traded up to get me. I was I, when I got drafted, um, the Raiders' name was on the screen, and I was like, man, I'm not going for a long time. <laughs> then your phone ring, and then it's like, oh crap, and then you know that's what happened. So it's pretty cool. I was I'm I'm meant to be in Cleveland. Well, no doubt. one question we always ask everybody that's on the show is, you know, you've played the game at all levels. What advice can you give to that high school student that wants to play in college, that college athlete that wants to go to the next level or even coaches? Because, you know, with age comes maturity. What, what What's the best advice you can give? We've gotten various answers from various athletes over the year or over the time here. So what are your thoughts? 
man, it's 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 tough. I mean, right from every every level is a lot faster, and everything they expect a lot more from you faster. So it's just everything's just faster. I would just tell everybody like if they if you're really 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 serious about it, then you have to you have to dedicate and sacrifice and and you have to study and you have to train and you just have to be prepared. Being prepared is the number one thing in this league. The guys who make it a long time is everybody's good. Everybody is, is 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 very athletic and they got extreme talent. But it seems like the people who the most who are the most prepared, they do the best over a time. You always gonna have your like outliers that just the freaks that just come in and just maybe don't have to work as hard. But for most people, being being prepared, that's how you get the time Brady's and and those type of guys. So just being just being uber prepared. No doubt. I love it. Well, hey, Darnell, we want to thank you so much for coming on today. And before we let you go, let everybody know uh, where they can come and uh, watch you guys show Life After Sports. Yeah, come on over to YouTube. It's Life After Sports. Come check us out. We we do interviews all the time um, of all athletes, professional athletes that we play with, just telling their story. And we do a little bit of things, some news things a couple times a week. But every single day we post a new a new episode of somebody that we have interviewed or um, from the NFL in the past, just basically telling their stories from young kids all the way up to life after sports. I know you got Tim Couch coming on. Who who else you got coming down the pike too as well? Uh, we're doing Jonathan Wells is right now. Um, he's for probably like the next seven days, and then we got Maurice Claret. He's going to be for about a week, and then we got uh, Tim Couch, Kelly Holcomb. Um, we got a pretty big list. We got a pretty big backlog right now. Uh, maybe maybe about 15 athletes and uh, that we have up. That's nice. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an Ohio boy. I, uh, my whole family's from Mansfield originally, uh, right. You know, about an hour from Cleveland. And I, yeah, I, yeah I'm, I went to Ohio Wesley and I, the Buckeyes weren't calling me, uh, but I, I still wanted to play ball in college. So I went to Ohio Wesleyan university, the battling bishops. Okay. And, yeah. uh, and then I came back down here and man, I, uh, Kelly Holcomb's a legend down in Tennessee. Uh, yes, he, he, he played at MTSU, and uh, man, they love him over there. And everywhere he goes, I don't think he pays for shit because they—it's uh, all—it's <laughs> all comped. Uh, they love Kelly Holcomb down there, so yeah. uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that one, Darnell. Yeah, Kelly Holcomb. We 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 talk shit to each other for about for about 20 minutes, calling each other different names, and because that's what we did when we played. We used to cuss each other out in a in a huddle all the time. <laughs> He's a good friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a funny dude. So yes, he is. awesome, man. Well, we love the show. I'm looking forward to all the upcoming episodes. And we thank you uh, so much for coming on, man. I'm a huge Buckeye fan, and I loved watching you play. And uh, we thank you so much for joining us today. Enjoy the Super Bowl, okay? Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All thank right, you. Bye. Have Take a good care. day, man. Enjoy the, enjoy the big game. All right, you too, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. All, right. all right, man. I got to be honest. Uh, this is one of the best shows I think we've ever done. Uh, Steve Belisari, Darnell Sanders, uh, talking a little all, thanks to Auburn for screwing up their football program and giving us some great content. Uh, you can't, you know, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> and, no, uh, but, you can't. But if, if the SEC Network does produce uh, have a show, I want to get some uh, residuals off that because you know that show is going to be solid gold. 
Well, if, if that's what I'm thinking, man, if you like were, uh, you know, work for 247 Sports or if you're like a recruiting guru or you're a guy that's kind of close to that program and you've got some insider information, you can make a buttload of money right now. Oh, uh, completely. Starting, starting a show, starting a podcast, starting anything and just letting us all know what is actually going on behind the closed doors because these meetings would be hilarious to be in. Can we fire this guy? Can we get rid of this guy somehow? Can we fire this dude anyway without paying him millions? You know, yeah. I mean, I just, I just, just millions, 18 million. Yeah. 18. Especially after you just what, 21 million to take the Gus bus out of town. I mean, 21.5 to get Gus bus out of town, uh, who, like you said, took him to a national championship and, uh, you know, beat, Alabama. Uh, he gets chucked out of town. And then uh, you bring in this guy who's had tons of success at Boise State. And then you want to chuck him out of town after one year. So, you know, patience is no longer a virtue in college football. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, thank you, James, for being on today. We love you, brother. Uh, thank you. Great show. I hope you enjoy uh, the big game and uh, we'll watch it. And hopefully Joe Burrow will win it. And then we'll come back uh, next Sunday and we'll do this all over again, okay? You got it. All right, bud. Everybody enjoy the Super Bowl and go Bengals.